What'd you hear? What was the theme in that worship tonight? Love, great love. Why do you think that theme tonight? Because, because people need to hear it. You can never hear enough about the love of God. So, if you can never hear enough about the love of God, then we should be able to take worship like that and go, Yay, God! And you, you should be able to begin to sense inside of you during a worship like that or during the release of a prophetic word some kind of confirmation. For those of you who don't know much about me or Living Grace, I'm a Trinitarian pastor. Okay, I'm a Father, Son, Holy Spirit guy. And Father, Son, and Holy Spirit communicate here. The word says God communicates spirit to spirit. Spirit is not here. How many of you know that your head knowledge usually gets you in trouble? <laughs> and it gets you in trouble because you don't listen here. And prophecy is about learning to listen here. Spirit to spirit. God never, never, ever lies to you. So what you hear in your spirit, you know is true. But we want to do what? with when, when God speaks to us here, what do we want to do? Let me give you an example. 2014, I left the church I was, I was in because I felt God say it was time. And I thought, well, I'm just going to go home and chill for a summer, right? Six weeks later, God says, you're going to start a church. And I go, oh, no, I'm not. <laughs> I knew it. I heard it here. He said, you're going to do it? And I go, no. Where'd the no come from? Here. And so what happens is we have been trained in our society and in a large part inside the church to process from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But Jesus is the tree of life. And so there's this paradox that we live in, this tension where we're called to eat from the tree of life, but yet we live in a natural realm that is predicated on the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is where we always try to figure it out. And sometimes God just says it, and we're supposed to just believe it. And when we get a prophetic word, it's an inspiration from God. It doesn't necessarily mean we alter our life, because we caution you never to make a 90-degree course change just because you got one prophetic word, right? But there's something about God in prophecy that's different today than it was before the cross. How many know the cross changed everything? Before the cross, man lived out of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The Jewish people, the chosen ones who were, who were chosen by God to represent his heart to the world, had 613 laws that they lived by. I don't know about you, but I have trouble with just a couple, <laughs> let alone 613. I get on the highway and my foot just doesn't want to conform. <laughs> anybody, ever, anybody have that problem? But the whole Christian experience 
is learning to get in touch with God in our innermost being. And out of our innermost being flows the river of life. Which means healing, deliverance, freedom from oppression, freedom from financial difficulty. God has an answer to all of it. But most of the time, we try to analyze it, and then we let our head talk us out of it. So when he said, you're going to start a church, and we had this debate, no, I'm not. Yes, you are. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. The response I finally came up to was, well, God, if this is really what you want, you're going to have to bring people, because I'm not going out and finding them. Within six weeks, 12 people showed up at my house. God had my attention. And interestingly, from there, things have developed in my life, but prophecy has been a part of my life for a long time. And it should be a part of every believer's life. Because God uses prophecy to build up, to lift up, to cheer up, to edify, not just us individually, but the church as a whole. And so when we turn off our meter to prophecy, to the gifts of God, we are missing out on a major component of how God communicates. And that's sad. How many of you want to hear God all the time? I got news for you. He's talking all the time. We should be hearing him all the time. Because all the time he's good. Goodness was one of the themes that was also part of that tonight. He's never revoked his goodness. He's never revoked his mercy. He's never revoked his loving kindness. It's the loving kindness of God that leads to what? Repentance. repentance. And what is repentance in the Greek? Change your mind. It's not about changing behavior. It's about changing your mind. It's about stripping away the living out of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and getting in touch with the tree of life, which is Jesus himself. And as the more you get in touch with Jesus and the tree of life, the more things change naturally from the inside out. So what does that have to do with prophecy? It has everything to do with prophecy. If you have a Bible, go to Revelation chapter 19. We're going electronic tonight because I wasn't planning to teach tonight, so we've gone electronic. If you go to Revelation chapter 19, written by the Apostle John towards the end of his life, a good 70, 80 years after Jesus was crucified, John has a vision. It says in the early part of Revelation, he's taken up into heaven. And in his vision, start at verse 19. Let me get there. Oh, excuse me, verse 10. I'm sorry. Chapter 19, verse 10. Yeah, actually, I'm going to actually back up to 9. John's interacting with an angel. And the angel said to me, write this. Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. How many of you have been invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb? All of us. In Greek, the word all means all. Okay? And he said to me, These are 
the true words of God. Then I, John, fell down at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, You must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers who hold to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, he said, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Everything Jesus ever spoke is a prophetic revelation from the heart of God. So when Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, he's saying that's a prophetic revelation that if you believe in me, you find eternal significance and security. And the scriptures say elsewhere in the book of John, and I'm not going to go there, but eternal life is to know God and the Son who he has sent. To know that word yada in the Greek. It's the intimacy of a husband and wife kind of knowledge. That God calls us to that kind of intimate knowledge. Guys, if you're married, you have you know things about your wife that they probably don't even know about themselves. And ladies, you certainly know things about us guys that we don't know about ourselves. And you're pretty good at pointing them out. I'm going to really get it tonight when I get home. <laughs> so prophecy is part of God's communication package, and we shouldn't be afraid of it. Because if the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy, then why do we not want to hear it? How many of you want to hear the testimony of Jesus about you? You heard some of it tonight in worship. He loves you. And you know, there's nothing that you can do to make him unlove you. Because that's where grace and mercy comes from. It comes in. There's not one single thing that you can do that's going to cause God to turn his back and walk away from you. You know why? Because Jesus said at the cross, it is finished. He put his final stamp at the cross on every aspect of his relationship with you. That's pretty cool. And when you understand it, you can... You mean I don't have to earn God's favor? No, He gives it abundantly. You mean I don't have to earn... You mean I don't have to teach Sunday school? No, you really don't. God's going to love you if you don't. You might learn something if you do, but He's going to love you even if you don't. And so, most of the time... People hear about prophecy, and because a large segment of the church is engaged in what's called cessationism, which said when John the Apostle died after this revelation, all gifts ceased. If you talk to a cessationist pastor and you start mentioning the word prophecy, and they go, yeah, no, get away, get away, get away. Because they're trained to believe that God doesn't talk that way anymore. But if God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he talked through the prophets in the Old Covenant, how much more is he going to say through the New Covenant? And so one of the things that I think God wanted to impress upon people tonight, especially those who are not fully familiar with it, is you don't have to be afraid of it. Now there may be times when you're going to get a prophetic word and you go, yeah, that person missed it. And ten years later it happens and they go, you know. Because not all prophecy is immediately fulfilled. It took thousands of years to fulfill the prophecies of Jesus. It took Abraham 25 years to have the child God prophesied. 
How many of you would, if you got a prophecy that you're going to have a child, how many of you would wait 25 years? And when it happens, you'd be a little surprised, right? So prophecy is a timing thing, too. And God uses prophecy to set up our hearts. And so we should embrace prophecy. So if you've got your Bible, let's take another verse. Let's jump to 2 Peter chapter 1. And I'm going to switch translations a minute. I'm going to jump to the mirror. There's a mirror Bible that I'm quite passionate about. And we're going to start at verse chapter 1, verse 2. God's desire is that we may now increasingly be overwhelmed with grace as His divine influence within us and become fully acquainted with the awareness of our oneness. The way He has always known us is realized in Jesus, our Master. Verse 3, By the divine engineering, He gifted us with all that it takes to live life to the full. Let's stop there for a minute. How many of you believe that He's given you everything you need to live life to the full? If you're struggling with that concept, ask Him to show you. It says right here, He's given you everything you need to live life to the full. So, back in verse 3. Where our ordinary day-to-day lives mirror our devotion in romance with our Maker... His ultimate knowledge of us introduces us to ourselves again and elevates us to a position where His original intention is clearly perceived. Now, anybody, anybody disagree that God knows you intimately and perfectly? He knows the deep things of your mind that you don't even know are there, that have been shaped by the woundedness of our past our interactions with other people. If you're like me, you know, you've had some traumatic things when you were young that shaped you and took you off course from what God had intended. Because, you know, people hurt people. But God has a way of pushing through that and bringing us back to the place He wants us to be. Why? Because He knows us intimately. And so if God knows us intimately, we can trust him so that when he says, Terry, you're going to start a church, you can go, yeah, okay, God, I'm working on a trust thing today. (laughs) (laughs) But the more we begin to hear his voice within us, the more our walls start to come down. And my wife can tell you, I used to have some really high walls. And God has smashed a lot of them, if not all of them. They're more like little piles now. And that's a good thing. And verse 4, this is exactly what God always had in mind for us. Every one of His abundant and priceless promises pointed to our restored participation in our godly origin. This is His gift to us. In this fellowship, we have escaped the distorted influence of the corrupt cosmic virus of greed. It's in the fellowship and intimacy with God when the things of the world don't make any, they don't really matter anymore. 
you know what, we all need a place to live. And in our society, we usually need a, a vehicle to get around. You know, it would be nice to be able to have a Starbucks occasionally, right? Um, but none of that really matters in the end. But God knows all of that. And he's going, I have a better plan. But you have to hear my voice. And each one of us hears his voice in different ways in different seasons of our life. But if you go now to 1 Peter, flip back a book, chapter 2, let's go to verse 6. Again, I'm going to read from the Mirror Bible. This is central to the prophetic theme of Scripture as voiced in Isaiah 28:16, which says, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, the exact and precise reference to the authentic thought of God, the one who exhibits the perfect idea of human life indwelt by God. This makes him most precious and desirable, him being Jesus. And he, Jesus, will not disappoint anyone's belief that he is indeed the Messiah. That's an amen for me. He declares human life to be the true temple of God. So let me ask you this. If you're the true temple of God, where is God? In you. So if God is in you, you think he's capable of showing himself to you? You think he's capable of invading your thought patterns? You think he's capable of invading your body with healing? Is he capable of reshaping your thought processes so that you're more focused on him than the things of the world? Where's peace going to come from? Connecting with him. Where's joy going to burst forth from? Connecting with him. Put your hands right here. Every one of you has a joy well right in here. And there are times when he just rips it. You know? He lets it come. He lets it flow. Because the joy of the Lord is what? So if we're not paying attention to the joy, or if we've lost our joy, that ought to be a, a, a message to back up or a statement, back up, where's your joy? You know, the Holy Spirit likes to tickle us. You know, some of you are already being tickled as you put your hand here. He's already starting to bubble up. But he's also starting to bubble up with inspirations. Thoughts. And we normally dismiss them because we think, well, that's so far out of my, my comfort zone that it has to be the pizza I had on the way over here. <laughs> well, I got news for you. I didn't have pizza tonight. And I got lots of stuff bubbling. Because an hour ago, I wasn't prepared for any of this. But you know, he says, if you open your mouth, he'll fill it. And that's part of what prophecy is about. And so prophecy is, is part of his very essence and being. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm trying to lay a basic overview so that you understand that this is not the twilight zone. Let's go to ch chapter 12, verse 7 a minute. Again, I'm going to read out of the mirror. Every expression of the Spirit is given to bring that which God accomplished in Christ into full focus. So let's talk about what God accomplished in Christ. 
Did God finish the sin issue once and for all? Yes. Do I still make bad choices? I do. Does he condemn me for them? No, because it's finished. He may sit me down and have a chat with me. But, you know, there are better choices you can make. How many ever do that with your kids? But that's not condemnation. God doesn't condemn us. He's already, he says, Jesus says, I didn't come to condemn the world. I didn't come to judge the world. I came to reintroduce you to the Father. And so when I'm dealing with guilt, shame, condemnation, it's like, God's going, what? What? Where'd that come from? It didn't come from me. And he said, I, as part of it is finished, I've healed, delivered, I've set free. I've retuned your ear to the frequency of the king. The only question is, do we want to listen? Do we believe? You see, I can follow a multi-step theology of, you know, I can live the Ten Commandments to the fullest, right? Yeah, mm. really can't because Paul says, what's Paul say about the law? In Galatians, Galatians chapter 3, Paul says, if you're going to follow the law, it's going to take you down the wrong path because Jesus fulfilled the law and he's come to give us liberty and freedom. But the law binds us. And so if I want to live a rigid religious system, I can do that, but I'm going to dim my ability to hear the voice of the Lord. I have to believe that God speaks. I have to believe that I can hear. And I have to believe that I can do that independent of a rigid religious system or I will miss a large part of the message. We can talk about religion some other time because you didn't come to hear about religion. But I'm telling you, a rigid religious system will mute the voice of God because you'll be more interested in following the precepts than listening to God. There are a lot of religious systems out there that were based upon people using the tree of the knowledge of good and evil to decide what God is supposed to be like. Do you think God needs me to define him? See, God is very capable of defining himself, and he's done that in Jesus. So all they need to do is open up to Jesus. Now, where was I? Somebody help me out here. Where did I leave off? Okay. Chapter 12, verse 7, right? Verse 8. To one is given a word that clears the air and wisdom prevails. What's that called? Prophecy. What does prophecy do? It clears the air so that wisdom of God can rise up. If God is giving you everything that pertains to life and godliness, do you think you have the wisdom of God inside of you? Yes, you do. To another, a word of knowledge, where something that could not be known in any other way comes to light. How many of you that have experienced Ed Lixie have had something come to light that was absolutely no way Ed could have known about? It's called a word of knowledge. Where'd it come from? 
Is Ed a psychic? I mean, how many of you would think Ed is a psychic? Because if you think that, then we're going to have 1-800-CALL-ED. Get your credit cards out. But how many of you ever heard Ed ask for your credit card? Right? Yet another person is inspired with a gift of faith in the same spirit, and another with gifts of healing of specific diseases in the same spirit. So if Jesus finished it at the cross, we ought to be able to tap into healing. We've got to listen. And sometimes the prophet can bring a word, a prophecy can bring a word that opens the door for healing. Because how many of you know when you're struggling with a condition or you're struggling with an ailment, it becomes hard to hear God. So what does God do? He sends someone around to give you a word. Isn't that cool? God, I'm struggling today. I can't hear. Well, the prophet's coming to town. Go talk to him. Or sometimes the prophet calls me and I go, I don't want to hear it today. <laughs> and sometimes they call him and he goes, I don't want to hear it today. <laughs> and then sometimes God goes, you're going to listen. <laughs> and to another, the working of mighty acts of miracles. That's verse 10. And to another, enlightened speech, prophecy. To another, the ability to discern the difference between God's spirit and a foreign spirit and to someone else the ability to communicate in many different languages. Another has a gift to interpret those languages. All these various gifts are inspired by the same Spirit who individually works in every person as the Holy Spirit desires. So, the many members of the same body do not divide the oneness of the individual. And so one of the things I wanted to make sure that you understand... Ed, Ed sits in what we, what's called in Ephesians chapter 4 in the office of a prophet, just as a pastor has an office and an apostle has an office and an evangelist has an office. And if you've been around here long enough, you know that means it's not elevated. It means down here. A prophet is down here and you stand on the shoulders of the prophet. He doesn't stand on your shoulders. Why? Because those gifts in Ephesians 4 are to edify the body to carry out the work of God in the community. And so a prophet, if you, if you have a prophet that comes along and says, I've been doing this for 35 years. I'm recognized around the world. Give me $100 and I'll give you 10000 back. Or God will give you 10000 back. Bye. I'm out of here. Because anytime the prophet or the apostle or the pastor or the teacher or the evangelist says, look at me, that's the wrong spirit they're operating in. And if you know Ed, if you've met Ed, and for those of you who haven't met Ed, you will meet Ed. I have never heard Ed say, look at me. Sometimes when the prophet's here, it's hard to learn because it's like, <gasps> if your heart looks at the prophet and goes, <gasps> check your attitude, check your heart, because you've just elevated him. Mm -hmm. And that's not what we're called to do. We don't elevate giftings because we all have the same God in us. You see, we're supposed to function as a cohesive body, a cohesive unit. But if I don't believe that God is 
in something and you do, we're going to have a little bit of a division. And so what God is in a season right now where he's taking his gifting and he's manifested as he elevates the message of grace above religion, which is going on quite a bit around the world right now. He's really showing his heart of grace and he's turning loose the prophetic voice at an even higher level than it has been in a long time. And, and if you also know me, you also know that I don't pay that much attention to the national prophets who preach doom and gloom because I don't believe that. That's the message of God today. I said that. It's recorded. I'll own it. See, God isn't in the doom and gloom business. He's in the build up, lift up, cheer up business. So, if someone gives you a word that's doom and gloom, woe is me, thus saith the Lord, you're going to be dead tomorrow. You go, yeah, no. Someone comes to you and says, you know, I heard the Lord say, brother, you know what? You need to be on your face. You need to be crying out to God. And you better do that 24-7 for the next 10 weeks. <laughs> yep. <laughs> the, minute, the minute you get a word that imposes a burden on you, that's not God. Sometimes it's difficult, though, to determine if it's a word for now, if it's a word to look at something, or is it something different than that. One of the things that you can get before you leave here tonight, you would get if you get a, if you get a CD, is a prophecy card. And it talks about prophecy for today. And in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 14, it says, Do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given you by prophecy by the laying on of hands of the eldership. This gift is still active and in operation today. And it also says that if you get a prophetic word, and many of you have gotten a prophetic word from Ed, and some of you will get some, some of you have will get one at some point. But when you receive a word, what's the first thing you're supposed to do when you get a prophetic word? Receive it. Next thing, test it. How do you test it? First of all, a prophetic word will never contradict the written word. If you get a prophetic word that contradicts the heart of the New Testament, that's not God. If you get a prophetic word that seems unusual or out of the norm for you, then one of the things we recommend is you write it down. Because as you write it down, it engages different parts of your spirit and your brain. And then you meditate on it. And you pray about it. God, what does this mean? I mean, some people get an instant revelation of what it means. Others go, God, what does it mean? I still have words from 16 years ago I'm waiting for to be fulfilled. One of which is I'm going to raise people from the dead. So don't any of you pass out and die today. <laughs> Unless you want me to practice. <laughs> Because tonight might be the night. <laughs> and then we ask you to, we, we always suggest to you that you take your prophetic word and review it with your spiritual leaders. Because a ministry like Jehu is not intended to replace the local church. It's a supplement tool to the local church. So you get a prophetic word, you go to, you see, and you're not sure what to do with it. You go, Lord, what do I do? And you take it to your, your, your leadership and ask them to pray with you about it. 
Now, if you're in a place where they don't believe in prophecy, that's going to be a little bit tough. But God will direct you to spiritual leaders are not necessarily always the people immediately in front of you. And don't make decisions based solely on the word without confirmation and counsel. Let me tell you how this went one time for me. Back in the days of the healing rooms, when I was co-leader of the healing rooms in the early 2000s, I gave a guy a prophetic word. He was a truck driver. And I gave him a prophetic word that God inspired in my heart about he was going to use his truck driving vehicle skills to begin to form a network of truck drivers to, in, to speak to them spiritually, to convey things of God, to encourage them. And you know what he did with that word? He took it as a word of the Lord to divorce his wife and to, to, move, to move in with another woman who he wanted to help share this ministry. He didn't read the card. <laughs> people do that. It breaks God's heart when people do that. Because the word is about lifting people up, not destroying relationships. Now, sometimes God might give you a word about check your relationships because you may have someone who's sucking blood out of you. But that's different. But that guy took one word did not submit it to his leadership, made a radical shift in his life, and caused and, and just disrupted a family. So I'm telling you, that's don't do that. And then sometimes you just have to let it soak in. When I, when God, when I finally said, "Get okay, God, I'll I'll cooperate and start a church." What does it look like, Lord? I wrote a set of bylaws for this, this church that are different than any other church out there. Because God wanted to set this church up differently. Took me a while to do it, too. And I'm a lawyer. What do you mean you want to do it this way, God? That doesn't make any sense. You know, the legal side and the spirit side sometimes, yeah. And then, finally, never elevate the prophetic word over the written word of God. Just don't do it. The whole purpose is to help you clear the air so you can hear better. So how many of you want to practice tonight? We're going to do this. Carla, come on up here. 